0: hello hello my beautiful freaking people welcome back to another episode of fml talk i am so happy that we are back in action with you guys and i am really really excited for today's episode when we took our hiatus i asked you guys on my instagram what You wanted to see more of in the new year and what type of guests you wanted me to bring on. And everybody was really insistent on wanting to hear from someone who has cheated. Now, we had already recorded Lauren's episode, so I knew that we were going to have the female perspective of someone who chose to cheat and what they went through and what that situation was like, but I wanted to get a man on here because a lot of you wanted to hear from the people that you are being cheated on, which are the males. So today's guest, you probably know, and I cannot wait to share this interview with you guys. It's gonna be a really, really good one. So grab a cocktail. Welcome back to FML Talk. Oh my God. Wait, how old was the
1: other girl? Nineteen. Can you believe us? Hey, hey,
0: this is Gabrielle Stone. Good <laughs> book.
1: He
0: did what? 48 hours? What a dick. Yeah, but have you seen all the photos on our
2: Instagram? And this is FML Talk. Oh no, she didn't.
0: Today's interview, the day I recorded it, happened at a really interesting time in my life because I had just gotten the news that one of my good friends was experiencing and dealing with some infidelity. And it was really shocking For me to find out, and you know, a lot of people when I was having certain conversations, dealing with with getting this news, a lot of people kept saying to me, "God, you must be so triggered. Um, You must be triggered by, you know, people being unfaithful. You must be triggered by the fact that you know this happens so often and to people that you would never expect it from." And I took a step back and I was talking to Tay about it and after you know he lovingly (laughs) assured me that that was never going to be happening in our relationship I realized that it wasn't those things that I was triggered about I was triggered around what this person in my life was about to go through because I know the emotional battle that ensues when you find out that someone has betrayed your trust, betrayed your body, and my heart kind of like broke for them. And it was so weird that that all coincided with the day that I was recording this this interview because it it brought up so many feelings and emotions and Things that I don't really think about anymore because I've healed and moved past so much of it. Um, and whenever that happens in my life, uh, weird coincidences like that, um, I know that it's the universe kind of pointing out something for me in my life. Um, so I had this this moment after I found out this news where I kind of broke down with with Tay and was like I just kind of need to cry because I it, it almost made me lose faith in humanity a little bit. And it was such a beautiful moment for Tay and I to sit there and talk and reconnect about some of those old triggers that I have from past relationships and that he has too. It brought up a lot of stuff for him as well. Um So it ended up being this kind of weird blessing in our relationship that we could sit down and have those like open and honest conversations that we don't always feel we have to because everything's fine with us and we're happy. Um, And it really was a nice reminder uh, how far I've come, how stable and happy my relationship is right now and a nice reminder to just connect on a daily basis. I gotta be honest with you guys, I was a little nervous for this interview because it isn't just some random guy who cheated that I brought on the show to grill and go in on. He's actually the husband of a really good friend of mine. So when I found out that he agreed to do this and that he was going to be coming on FML talk, I got a little nervous. I never usually prep for my interviews you know i normally just kind of jump in and bring them on but this was a special case and i i knew that you all had a lot of questions that you submitted and i knew that everybody was really going to want me to you know get to the bottom of a few things and not necessarily go easy on him so i was a little nervous at the beginning of this so i want to remind all of my awesome fmlers out there that It takes a lot of fucking balls to agree to come onto a public platform and discuss things like cheating to a predominantly woman-based audience. So be kind, listen with an open heart, and I hope we can all learn from this awesome interview. Because of the nature of this topic and the conversation that we ended up having and how Deep, we really ended up diving in to everything. I decided to not cut anything from this interview and instead break it up into two separate episodes. So you're going to hear part one this week, and then part two will air next Wednesday. I think there was so much valuable information and truth that came from this interview that I didn't want to do a disservice to you guys by cutting it short to fit it into one episode. So without further ado, I would like to bring on our guest today. He is a former pro football player. He hosts a very successful podcast of his own. And he is my good friend, Miss Jana Kramer's husband, Mike Cosson. Mike Cosson, welcome to FML Talk. What's
1: up?
0: Dude, I'm, I'm so stoked that you agreed to do this, you know, my listeners were all very insistent that I had someone on who had cheated in the past and was willing to come on and talk about it and like really share an honest version of it. So I'm really excited that you're here to do
1: that. You know, I am excited to come and talk about that. I'm sure you had a, a long line of guys just ready to come <laughs> on and, and talk about the mistakes that they've made. Um, but yeah. I mean, I'm. You know, you know me. You know Jana. You know our story. So I'm. I'm always willing to shed some light on the male perspective and uh, hopefully help people kind of get an inside look on what goes on.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And I think that's important because so many women and men and just couples in general go through that. Like it's it's a very common thing. Unfortunately, that happens a lot. And a lot of times, people are left with these questions and, you know, not really getting closure answers as to why something might have happened to them. So I think it's really important that we're able to dig into that and, you know, get behind some of the whys as to, as to why it takes place.
1: For sure. And can I ask what set up this episode? Like, what did you guys talk about recently that kind of had your fans and listeners being like, Hey, let's get a guy's perspective.
0: Yeah. So, I mean, you know, my story because mm-hmm. we met on your successful podcast that you host with your lovely wife, Jenna, um, that, you know, I was a, I was married for almost two years, found out that he was having an affair for almost six months with a 19 year old filed for divorce. Um, so I've been through, the infidelity. Um, I've been through the heartbreak with my relationship after that. And mm-hmm. I think a lot of my listeners, you know, because they all came from my book, uh, relate to heartbreak, you know, have been cheated on. And it, it's wild, the the kind of DMs that I get from mm-hmm. people that have gone through stuff that's so similar, you know?
1: Yeah, it's, it's, it's unfortunate that you know, when you share, as you know, when you share that kind of vulnerable pain, how many people are out there that have gone through the same thing? And when we see everyone's best version of themselves via social media, right? we like, oh, their relationship must be perfect, this and that. You're like, I must be the only one that's been cheated on. I must be the only one going through this pain. And then you realize once you open up how many people are really in the middle of going through that.
0: Yeah. And I think it makes people feel a lot less alone and like it didn't happen sure. to them, you know? Um, and the episode before this, uh, one of my good girlfriends came on who was married and she was the one that had cheated. Mm-hmm. Um, so we got kind of the female perspective of it. Um, but I know a lot of my listeners, you know, have been cheated on by men and wanted to to have a guy that was willing to open up about it. So you are the chosen one. No pressure.
1: Love you, <laughs> me. <laughs> I'm ready.
0: So I want to start by having you kind of set the stage for you know, the, my listeners that don't know your story, um, Mm -hmm. as far as how you and Jana met and kind of how the cheating really took place initially and what, what happened in that.
1: For sure. Um, I'll give you like the elevator pitch, (laughs) you know, (laughs) of our, um, multi-chapter story, but basically, you know, Jana and I met via social media, Twitter back when Twitter was, was the thing, Um, you know, seven years ago now and uh you know it was was a quick romance um we fell in love quick and hard i cheated early on about a month or two into our relationship just dating and she you know part of why we connected so early is that we were both honest with each other and being like hey we haven't been perfect boyfriends and girlfriends like we both cheated we both owned it and that was the first time i'd ever done that too so i was like oh man this is definitely different um but I still did it, you know, and it was a big pain that she was like, I changed for you, you didn't change for me, um, but we reconciled and she kind of wrote it off because it hit her imperfections in the past was like, okay, he made a mistake, he's learned from it, let's keep going. Right. Um, and I was faithful uh, until you know, unfortunately, my bachelor party before our wedding, mm. um, which I ended up meeting my uh, affair partner um, along with other women that I was involved with over the next couple of years got discovered, um, went to rehab for sex addiction, which at the time I was just doing just to salvage my marriage because Jana and her therapist were like, you got to do something about this. You got to go somewhere and figure it out. So I did. And then through that 60 day process of inpatient treatment, I realized that this had been a pattern in my life. Um, and a lot goes into that. Um, you know, it's a false, uh pretense that people have in judgment about sex addiction that it's a married man's excuse or a married man's disease right um being in the 12-step program for that for the past four or five years you know i've seen everyone from every walk of life every age every creed color religion sexual orientation i mean all of it so it's not just a married man's disease as people might um think um and then yeah so over the past four, four and a half years now, we've been working at reconciling our marriage, strengthening it over through infidelity. Um, I've had my missteps along the way with my sobriety, um, nothing physically acting out with anybody else, but a big part of that is the lies and deceit, right? A lot of people that have cheated, have been cheated on. It comes from the lies. It comes from that deceit. It comes from that excitement, quote unquote, excitement that people might feel from, from the, you know, the, that, double life. Um, mm-hmm. so yeah, that's where we are now. And we we're very open about it. Uh, originally not by choice. Our story got sold to us weekly. Um,
0: yeah, you, or, you guys are process. having to, you deal with everything in a much more public way, which makes everything 10 times harder. I mean, when I was going through my divorce, it was, you know the community knew, and our our circles and friends knew, and even that was really hard. And like you oh, go yeah. through the guilt and the shame and the embarrassment. So you guys are dealing with it on a worldly scale.
1: Yeah, and that was you know that was tough to deal with, especially early on. I didn't want to acknowledge anything. I wanted a typical guy. I wanted to sweep it under the rug, move on, put your head down, whatever, get over it. Um, and then Jana was the one that convinced me. Like, look we can help people here like there is a silver lining like let's try to do this and it yeah. took me some time to get there and then finally once i did i started to see the benefit not only for helping other people but for ourselves like you said early on an episode about not feeling so alone you know it was really therapeutic for both janna and i
0: yeah yeah i bet summer is here and life is not slowing down for us anytime soon One of the things we have continuously relied on making our lives so much easier is Factor meals. No prep, no mess, no cleanup meals. I have really been off the wagon with my eating since having my son, and for my health, my wellness, and my mental sanity, I have been switching my dinners to more healthy options from Factor. Factor. They have 35 different meals and more than 60 add-ons to choose from every week, so I never get bored. And Tay is continuously shocked every time he sits down to eat one because they are so freaking tasty. They have breakfast, lunches, dinners, And desserts, it's a treat to have restaurant-quality food that is so easy to prepare and doesn't come with the insane Postmates bill. Head to Factormeals.com slash FMLTalk50 and use code FMLTalk50 to get 50% off your first box plus 20% off your next month. That's code FMLTalk50 at Factormeals.com slash FMLTalk50 to get 50% off your first box plus 20% off your month while your subscription is active Enjoy FMLers.
2: Hi I'm Chris Gethard, and I'm very excited to tell you about beautiful Anonymous a podcast where I talk to random people on the phone I tweet out a phone number thousands of people try to call I talk to one of them they stay anonymous I can't hang up that's all the rules I never know what's gonna happen We get serious ones I've talked with meth dealers on their way to prison I've talked to people who survived mass shootings. Crazy, funny ones. I talked to a guy with a goose laugh. Somebody who dresses up as a pirate on the weekends. I never know what's going to happen. It's a great show. Subscribe today. Beautiful Anonymous.
0: So when when she first found out about everything once you guys were married, did you tell her or did she catch you?
1: No. You know, a good friend of hers, she's a very intuitive person. Um, You know, Jana was kind of venting to her about some things. And she was like, well, do you think he's cheating on you? I was like, no, no, no. She's like, well, look into stuff. Gina looked into my phone bill, saw a bunch of random numbers, looked into them, realized it was something that a married man shouldn't be doing. Mm-hmm. She confronted me via Facetime because she was out of town on it, okay. and I was just, I was like a statue. You know, it was, it was that, it was that stomach churning. I'm being caught, um, and I ended up disclosing more information than she even knew. I told her about my fair partner. Um, she had no idea about um so she was kind of fishing early on but i disclosed more but then you know the thing is too when you get caught you want to minimize things right right because oh it was only one person it was only this it was only a few times and then just over the next year or two it's just more things kind of came out because we didn't do a healthy disclosure right um which is and then you have to
0: go through that stomach churning situation time and time and time again
1: just her constantly figuring things out because she's just you know, wants to be a detective and figure everything out for safety, which I totally understand. Yeah. And I just want to run away from it. you right. like, okay, I'm sorry. Like, you know, slap on the wrist. Like, let's move on. That's easy for me to say because I'm the asshole. Sure. Right. You know, so, uh, yeah.
0: So when she discovered all this, she confronted you on FaceTime. You weren't, you weren't with your affair partner when she called you. She just was calling you out.
1: Yeah. I was at home with our daughter. She was at of time for work. I was at home. I just put her daughter to bed and, uh, you know, I felt a weird vibe from her kind of all day. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was just that, that guilt intuition that just knew something was up.
0: Yeah. You know, did it was she, like, Did she know you're a fair partner?
1: No. Okay. No, that's, you know, one thing that Gina and I've talked about is the way both of us, like the way we our kind of love languages are and the way that we are as people is Jana. She wants connection. She wants love. She wants intimacy. So like if she ever stepped out of the marriage, it would probably be somebody that we know. Right. Be someone that she's close to. That's a friend. Like an emotional connection. Right. For me, it has to be like, I can't know the person. I can't have any other connection with them because that's just too intimate, too emotional, too uncomfortable. Right. Because that's just the way I am with intimacy.
0: Did your affair partner want, those things like want more than just the sex or was it like that for her too?
1: She was married as well. So it was, it was mutual. Um, you know, it was so, so sad when I look back on it, it's like in that, during that time when I was doing that and acting out, I thought, as sick as this is, I thought I was like living the dream, Mm -hmm. you know? And it's so, it just fucking pains me to even say that, that I thought I was living the dream because I was having my cake and eating it too. My fair partner was married, so she wasn't going to say shit. Right, and it was just a just a terrible way to live.
0: Yeah, the, I mean the the pressure of trying to keep things secret and like holding that secret on your heart and in your mm-hmm. chest, it did like that shit must really weigh on someone. Oh mm-hmm. yeah,
1: and you naturally take it out on your significant other.
0: Yeah, I they remember. Become the punching bag when all, when all of my ex-husband's stuff came to light, I was like, dude, you must be fucking exhausted. Like he had a second phone. He was like, you know, lying to go to places and it was just like, you must be exhausted. Mm -hmm. Like why, why are you even like, just leave dude? Obviously we didn't have kids. So it was very, very different. I know that that was a big factor and we'll, we'll get to that. Mm -hmm. Um, so What did you feel, if anything, was missing in your marriage that made you want to have this extramarital affair going on?
1: Um, Me, I was missing. You know, there's, I can understand the people that say, you know, well, my spouse doesn't give me enough attention. Well, it's because I tried to do that. I tried to blame Jana tenfold. Like in my mind, I was justified. Mm-hmm. I was like, what I'm doing isn't wrong. Cause she's a, she's a, you know, B and she's pain in my ass. She's this, she's that. When really I was just lost. I was, you know, I don't you, these aren't excuses, but they're, um, they're explanations is yeah. kind of what, what I say, right. That the, the sex addiction is an excuse. It's an explanation to certain behaviors. And along with that was me transitioning out of professional sports. So I'm, um, Left the job I've only ever known, the only career I've ever known. You know, I moved to a completely new state, living with a woman I've never lived with anybody before. You know, all these, you know, we got married, got, got engaged, got married, bought a house, had a kid. And a transition, I transitioned out the only career I've ever known all within 12 months. Right. And so I'm making every major life change in this short window. And I didn't have the emotional tools to express what was going on with me. I didn't know how I've never had a healthy relationship where I went to my partner and said, Hey, I'm feeling this shit. Like, can you help me? Can we talk right. about this? Yeah. I just always point the finger. And it's like, well, the reason I'm feeling this way is probably because of them, which is bullshit. Mm-hmm. So, cause I'd never done therapy to that point, nothing. Um, so looking back on it, it was just, it was my inability to connect with another human being, my inability to express myself emotionally um, in a healthy way and ask for help.
0: Yeah, I think that I, I identify with that a lot because when I did an episode on cheating and there were a lot of questions, is like, why do people choose to do it? In my opinion, it's not ever because they're unhappy with the other person. It's, it doesn't matter who they're going to, where they're getting it from. They're seeking that validation that they're missing inside themselves.
1: A hundred percent. And something that Jan and I have said Um, on repeat is you know something that i realized through all all kind of my therapy and self-work is people want to blame the other person exactly like you said but if they don't change themselves it's going to be the same story different cast yeah if i didn't work on myself and i was like oh it's all jan's fault you know what fuck this i'm gonna get divorced we'll co-parent our daughter i'll go to somebody else i wouldn't fix shit that was going on with me right i would have been the same damn person probably would have done it to that poor woman yeah and it'd be just the cycle again
0: and it's like, dude your wife's fucking hot. Like if I swung oh that God. way, I would bang her. You know, like a hundred
1: percent. She's like, t- I'm like, what's wrong with me? I'm like, she's the most beautiful woman I've ever seen. And it's like, and that just goes to show that it, not just the physical aspect, but it's not about them. It's a hundred percent about the person that is the one doing it.
0: Yeah. And I, I get, you know, some random guys that'll comment on my videos that are like, oh my God, how did someone cheat on you? Like what's wrong with people? And I'm like, guys, JLo got cheated on. Like it, it's right. not about right. the person. It's it's about what the cheater is lacking within themselves that they haven't been able to like fill and fix.
1: A hundred percent. Let me ask you a question real quick. I have to turn the tides. But when you found out your husband was cheating, because Jana and I get asked this question on a regular basis, like why did you stay? Yeah. Like or why did you not stay? You know. So my okay. question to you is just did you, was that just one of those non-negotiables? If it happens, I'm out, end of story. Or was he not willing to do any work? Like kind of what was that situation like?
0: Um, Mine was kind of interesting because, you know, I had never even really thought of it. It, Like I had never sat down and been like, well, if someone ever cheats on me, I'm gone. Um, Because I had never thought that he was capable of doing that. So it never Mm -hmm. was even a thing that I had negotiated with myself in my mind. Um, But I think in my particular situation, I had been so unhappy for so long with him. I just didn't realize why, but I wasn't in love with him. I I loved him as a person. uh, And I think I married him because he was safe. Mm -hmm. So when I found all this out and like how deep it all went, it almost was like, Gabrielle, this is your out. Like, you know, you can either stay and work on your marriage and probably be miserable for another three years and then get a divorce, or you can know your worth and fucking bounce. Mm -hmm. Um, Would that have been different if I was in love with him? Probably. Um, I don't know. Would it have been different if we had kids in the picture to think about? Probably. I I don't know, you know, Mm -hmm. but it My situation with my ex-husband and yours and Janice situations are vastly different.
1: Um, so different.
0: Yeah. Um, besides the fact that, and even quite frankly, even if I would have sat there and cried and said, I want to work on things, please don't leave. I don't think he wanted to either. Um, I think he, the way you said earlier, how people justify it in their mind, I think he was so deep down a sociopathic rabbit hole um that he had justified everything and it was like he was ready to go be a totally different person which he very much so is now Um, like if you put pictures of him from when we got married and now you'd be like that's not the same person physically like not the same person yeah
1: you know it's so interesting because you know, so many people from the outside looking into like situations like both of ours, they make it so black and white, right? Like, if that happens, you leave. If that happens, like, how could you stay? And there's so many variables, like to your point, that are involved in that, that, you know, what Jan and I have always said is you don't know until you're in that situation. You don't know, you know, because there's all those factors. And I 100% own that if we did not have our daughter at the time, Jan would have been gone. Oh, really? 100% believe that. Yeah. And I think she would tell you that too.
0: Yeah. That's heavy. That's heavy.
1: Yeah. You know, they, they say never to stay for the kids, but we acknowledge that it was a blessing in disguise to get us to where we are now.
0: Right. Right. You
1: know what I mean? Like it was the catalyst
0: you needed to stay to do the work. Yes. Yeah.
1: Yeah. I feel, we really feel like God had that in our lives and that he, he, you know, blessed us with our son at the time that he did too, because literally Jana was ready to divorce me again. And then that, that when we walked out of that couples therapy session where she was telling our couples therapists in LA, like I'm done on the street corner, we're walking away from each other. She's like, by the way, I'm pregnant. Stop it. <laughs> did you not And I like just stop in my tracks? And we live like a half a mile from our therapist's office, which is yeah. perfect. So one of us could drive home. The other could walk home. And I just stopped in my tracks. I'm like, what? And but looking back on that, too, that was like that sign from God to be like, all right, motherfuckers, like you guys are meant to be together. I put you all together for a reason. Right. You both have to dive in. you got to do this work. you got to make a change. And that's when me for me personally, I really ramped up my recovery, my change in how I handle things um, moving forward and have to continue to do so.
0: And so we're going to get to the sex addiction stuff later. Cause I am very interested to hear your take on all of that, but let's back up a little bit. So you were in therapy after the first kind of initial, you know, she had discovered the cheating, you had disclosed things to her. And then over the next year, more and more kind of trickled out. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, so when, when did it did it happen again, like it full-blown happened again that she found out about, or was it more of like some shady indiscretion?
1: It was It was stuff that had happened during the timeline when I was cheating and acting out that I just didn't disclose. So it wasn't new stuff. It wasn't like, I found out yesterday you were talking to your fair partner again, or I found out you're right. watching porn or doing whatever. It was just stuff that, you know, in that time of panic, I. Almost convinced myself that I forgot about, right? Because yeah. you're just so in shock at the whole situation, you just want to move on. Yeah. And it was, so it was just things like that that she dug around more. She, like, she had no shame in calling all these numbers that I called. Well, yeah,
0: because that trust is broken now. And oh it's, yeah, she's trying to like she's in fight or flight, trying to protect herself.
1: A hundred percent. So it was yeah, it was no new, it was no new action. It was just her discovering past actions that Got I it. hadn't disclosed.
0: So once you had gone to, to rehab and come out, there was nothing further that happened. It was just her finding out more stuff that you hadn't talked about. Correct. Okay. Um, so fast forward to that therapy session and she thinks that you guys are getting a divorce and she walks out and turns around and tells you that she's pregnant. Where did you guys go from there?
1: You know, I think we still went our separate ways if I recall. And then, you know, we talked later about it, um, yeah. I mean, you know, through the, through those initial years, she said divorce a lot, Yeah. you know, whereas only in the past year or two that I really set a boundary to be like, look, we're in this, we got two kids. The D word is like a off the table for me.
0: Yeah. Cause I
1: can't live my life where anytime we get in a fight, that's thrown in my face.
0: Sure.
1: Um, and she's gotten good at, it. she's gotten a lot better. She she respects that boundary. Um, but it was, it took a serious talk and it really was me owning a lot of stuff that I needed to continue to change. Yeah. Um, because I mean, I was changing at the time I was what, 30, you know, 20, 20 yeah, 29, 30, you know, that's was 30 years of being one way processing things one way,
0: right.
1: Handling issues and emotions one way. Yeah. Um, but and sometimes, you know, it's crazy because you think you hit rock bottom until you hit rock bottom again. Yeah. You know, and you're, and you're like, oh, I right, this is that. it. <laughs> right.
0: <laughs> and had you cheated in other relationships before?
1: Every single one.
0: Yeah. Every I, one. Yeah. I have a, a, a friend who just dealt with some, some infidelity and uh, their partner was like, yeah, I've every single relationship. Um, And I was shocked to find that out. Um, So do you think that that's more because of your addiction, your sex addiction, or more because of a way that you're programmed where you just aren't monogamous?
1: Mm -hmm. That's a great question. Very good question. Um, you know, there's without getting into all the like details of, or scientific aspects of sex addiction, it's assholes still exist okay people just do things because that's what they do um with the addiction aspect there's you got to look at patterns you got to look at powerlessness unmanageability of your life and, and and everything like that so when i went to rehab and started diving deep into that i looked back until you know back into the days of when i first started having sex when i was 14 and just from that point on just how that took over my life and how i planned my day around it how it became this need and necessity more so you know people say oh, i was just a horny college kid or, i was just young and dumb and whatever right. and there's a difference um you know and, and that takes someone to do the work the therapeutic work to figure that out but i i'm not saying that everyone that cheats in every relationship is an addict that's right. not the case
0: um so in your guys' book, which is great, by the way, I think that any person that's in a relationship should read it, even if they're – I think it, it's helpful even with relationship dynamics like a mother-daughter or, m- you. you know, daughter-father. It's just got a lot of really, really good tools in it. Um, so if you guys haven't read it, it's called The Good Fight, and it's a New York Times bestseller. So yay for you guys. Um <laughs> But you talk a lot about triggers, which, you mm-hmm. know, I've been in therapy for my whole life on and off. And, um, that's a really important thing for people to know and to learn about going into relationships. When people ask me how my current relationship is so healthy, I always say it's because I showed up and was like, yo dude, these are my triggers. This is what is shitty for me. What are yours? And like, we never fuck with them. And uh, treat them with the utmost respect because you Mm -hmm. have to do that to have a successful relationship um so I'm sure when Jana you know found out about all of your infidelity that created some new triggers for her um so what are some of those and what do you do to try and like ease that for her
1: you know that's a the thing is that's a daily obstacle for us now they don't always come up every single day we don't always have to have a discussion around them every single day but i mean shoot just yesterday you know something came up around her where i was running some errands i was actually going to the grocery store to get something for her and she texted me and called me i didn't have my phone like i didn't hear it she's like you need to call me i call her back and get a hold of her she's like where have you been I'm like, you know, I have life, we have life 360 on, on our phones and we can see where each other are at, which initially started as a boundary, but now it's kind of great just to, so we don't have to text each other be like, Hey, where you're at, where are you going to be? On? Right, right. <laughs> um, so it's more convenient now at anything, but it wasn't working for whatever reason. It just wasn't working. When yeah. she tried to look at it, she said like my phone was off or I logged off the the app or whatever. And I looked on mine and mine was working. And so you know, that's a trigger. Cause she's like, you can't just blame technology. And in that moment, I was just kind of like, I, I don't know what you want me to do. Like, I, I don't I'm, have another answer. Right. I don't have an answer. I, I plead the fifth. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. Um. So those are things that have taken some time and I'm still trying to work on my reaction to them and being able to not be like, Hey motherfucker, like I'm out here doing something for you. And you're right, going right, to call right. me and be like, what the fuck, you know, Right. for me to be like, okay, this is deeper. I'm really sorry, this isn't working. This is where I'm at right now. What do you need from me? How can I help you through this? Yeah, let's figure it out when I get home, something. Um, So those things aren't always easy to navigate. And I'm one that I get triggered with questions. I hate being questioned, I hate being tested. Mm -hmm. And so she'll ask me, and she's a very inquisitive, curious person. Yeah. And so I'll I'll take 90% of the questions she asks as a test or as she's fishing for something. Right. And I'm like, offensive. yeah, oh, I'm the, yeah, the worst. And that's some of my biggest work that I'm doing now is to work on my reactions and not be offensive. And just the other night she was, I kissed her goodnight. She was like, what are you about to do? I'm like, uh, I'm in bed. I'm going to go to bed. And even that reaction, she's not a big fan of. Right. She's like, why can't you just answer? I was like, well, why do you have to ask me? What the fuck am I to, about to do? I'm in bed. You know, so it's this whole thing of navigating those, moments that you don't can't identify as a trigger immediately right but being able to dive deeper into them and for me to pause and be like okay what's behind this what's going on let's talk about it um but yeah so i mean that's the biggest thing with triggers i mean kudos to you and your relationship now to be able to talk about that and that's something that Man, Jan and I both say, if we're ever in another relationship, how we would be able to go into it in a healthy way with all the tools we've learned? Yeah. Talking about boundaries and triggers and being able to communicate yeah. from day one. What a gift. Yeah. You know, well, what a gift for people listening to this that could be able to do that.
0: For sure. And there's, there was this meme that I saw a couple of weeks ago and it was like, you know, dating in your twenties, you sit down and you're like, what kind of car do you drive? Where do you live? What's your job? And dating in your thirties is like, have you done your shadow work? Are you emotionally stable? What are your triggers? Like, how long have you been in therapy? And it's so fucking true, dude. Like
1: it's so perfect.
0: <laughs> and it's so accurate because when you can do that and, and come to the table from the get go and be like, yo, this is all my shit. Then there's mm-hmm. no, surprises and there's no like ouch spots that get triggered and fights, you know, it just like makes everything so much cleaner and
1: healthier. Oh, for sure. And then you're just setting expectations for each other that you're not this, this completely different person. When you guys start getting in the weeds of the relationship in our book, we, we use this analogy or this uh, story that I read somewhere about uh, Anna Kendrick and she broke up with a boyfriend a guy she was dating because she set a boundary of hers where she hates being tickled. She's like, I don't like being tickled. And he I thought know, it was a I joke. He's like, ah, come, come here. Like he kept tickling her. And she's like, nah, play it. Like I told you, I don't like fucking being tickled. Don't tickle me. And she ended up breaking up with him because he Stop. wouldn't respect, yeah. He wouldn't respect her boundaries. And she's like, and that's how it needs to be though. Like as it, yeah. you can't minimize your own boundaries for somebody else. You state them how they are. If they can't respect them and I'm sorry.
0: Yeah. It's so weird. I so deeply identify with that. Like I get violent when I'm tickled and I'm like, I might kill you. <laughs> like, I hate it. That's, that's epic. <laughs> Good for mm-hmm. her.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Um, okay. So you just celebrated your one year sobriety. So congratulations. Thank you. Um, I, I know that's a big deal. And I'm curious because, it's technically an, a, an addiction. They, mm-hmm. they call it a sex addiction. It's, mm-hmm. it's a known thing in our world now. Um, mm-hmm. And when you're sober from drugs or detoxing from alcohol and, you know, celebrating sobriety in that sense, you know, you're totally off it. Drugs, I know, are really gnarly. They're like, no, CBD, you can't even do that and stuff like that. Um, so can you explain to me and for people listening that don't know about it, what is that like you have to abstain from sex altogether or just outside of your marriage or like, what does your sobriety entail?
1: So, yeah, it is, it is tricky. Um, because it is new you know, to society to be hearing this term. And I really, it really sucks that the whole me too movement, like I'm happy that happened to help people who have been victims of that. But the other side where the, the, the perpetrators now, there's so many of them claiming sex addiction. Uh, and it's like, that didn't give us a very good rap. Right. right? When it's like right. the Harvey Weinstein is Kevin Spacey. they're so like, ah, I'm a sex addict. You can't. You're you know, like, whatever.
2: no, dude. Like,
1: yeah. Like, yeah, what the fuck? Um, so that's the tricky thing about sex addiction because you still use it, right? Like mm-hmm. in AA and NA, like you're saying, it's pretty black and white. If you're an alcoholic, you don't drink. If you're a drug addict, you don't use. Um, you know, overeaters are anonymous and, and sex addiction is similar in the fact that you still got to eat. Right. You still got to have sex. Um, but it's figuring out with you know, a CSAT certified sex addiction therapist um, and, and your sponsor or people in the program, what personally, like, what are your inner circle behaviors? So your inner circle or your bottom line behaviors are the things that you'd reset your sobriety for. So this is getting personal, but that's the only way I know how, I guess, nowadays. Well,
0: welcome to FML Talk. We, we right, that's talk how here. we roll.
1: <laughs> so for me, it's like no sex outside my marriage. Um, you know, no pornography, masturbation, um, inappropriate conversations with women, um, really conversations with women that my wife isn't, doesn't know about. Right. Um, anything, uh, any lies and secrets, um, anything like that. So if any of that happens and is discovered, I reset my sobriety. Um,
0: how many times have you had to reset?
1: Twice. Okay. And um you know both for reasons really around mostly lies Mm
0: -hmm.
1: and just you know flirting with the edge of inappropriate right you know um behavior again nothing physical with anybody nothing like that but it's more so the biggest thing was like lies um to protect myself and trying to act out in a way of of like regaining autonomy without doing it in a healthy way Mm -hmm. um which sucks like you know i wish it was five years i've been sober but it's not it's not the way the program necessarily works all the time um so that's the thing it's different for different people some people masturbation isn't a big thing for them right it's not like that quote-unquote gateway drug for them so they can still have healthy masturbation they again they figure that out with their with their you know people around them if they figure that out with what their spouses you know are healthy with or whatever um so yeah I mean it looks different for different people but the biggest thing that's probably across the board is you know no sex outside your marriage or committed relationship
0: do you think Jana feels pressured to give you a certain amount of sex because of all of this
1: so you know I'm kind of an oxymoron because I'm a sex addict, I'm a sex, sex sex, addict in recovery, which is definitely different, but I'm intimacy avoidant. Mm. So kind of like I said earlier in the show, how like for me to like, act out with somebody, like having an affair would have to be someone completely random, I don't know. Them. Mm-hmm. Right, there can't be that attachment. I've always been someone who struggled with intimacy in a relationship. Um, so I get uncomfortable at times in those situations. I get uncomfortable with intimacy and touching and, and, all that with somebody that I care about because for me in my pattern of life, I've never connected sex and love.
2: Uh, they've,
1: been, they've been two completely different things for me in my brain.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, so now I'm trying to figure out how to do that in a healthy way and have both at the same time. Yeah. Um, I've gotten more comfortable with it over time, but it's, you know, Jana heard number one love language is uh, physical touch. Mm-hmm. and that's probably the last time on my list so she's the one that's like having a harder time wrapping her brain around it being like you're a sex addict but right. like, let's have more you know let's have more sex so it's um that's a battle in itself you know we go through periods where i have no issue with it with it like with being comfortable around it i'm, I'm all good and then we have periods like dry spells where i'm just like for some reason my my has shit's coming up. I'm uncomfortable. I'm just like, ah, I need space. Um, so when
0: you have those dry spells, do you, is it that you don't want to have sex because the way Jana wants to have sex is more intimate and connected? Or is it that you just kind of like, do you not want to have sex or do you want to just like pound it out? Like, you know, rage style. <laughs> right.
1: Right. right. Um, mm, See so Jana. I mean, Jana's like any guy's dream, like she's down for anything. Like yeah. she's like, she's, yeah, she, every now and then she wants to make love and stuff like that. And every now and then she just wants to have sex. Yeah. Um,
0: Cause there's a difference.
1: Yeah. Oh, for, oh, absolutely. For me, it's, it's more just, again, goes back to the whole cheating thing in itself. It's more just my shit. It's more of just, I just, I just have moments. I just feel uncomfortable. I have moments that even holding hands, I'll just kind of just, want to like crawl out of my skin and it has nothing to do with Jana, you know, and, but it's, that's the thing about this. It's so hard because sex is so personal, right? In a relationship yeah. that any woman would take it personal. When I try to tell it's like, it's not you. It's not about you. it's has nothing to do with you. You're gorgeous. You're sexy. You turn me on all of those things. Mm-hmm. This is just my shit.
0: Whew. Now you all see why I chose to break this up into two episodes. Um, was a lot of heavy material that we're covering, and the vulnerability and the openness and the honesty really does continue throughout this entire interview, so I'm excited for you guys to hear the rest of it next week. Part two is just as intense, if not a little more so, because Mike shares something that he has never shared publicly, and, uh, It's pretty heavy. Plus, I ask all of the questions that you guys submitted and wanted me to ask, and he bravely answers them all. As always, make sure you guys are subscribed so you don't miss an episode. Make sure to follow us on Instagram at FML Talk Podcast for all the behind the scenes and fun stuff that we are doing. I cannot wait for everyone to see this new merch line. You guys, the stuff in here is so cute, and it's coming just in time for valentine's day or galentine's day whatever you might be celebrating and i will see you next week for our part two episode with mike cawson until next time y'all cheers
1: welcome to as a woman fertility hormones and beyond i'm your host dr natalie crawford and i am a fertility physician and co-founder of Fora fertility in austin texas We will talk about a wide range of topics, including the menstrual cycle, your hormones, infertility, IVF, mental health, and, well, beyond. So join us and become
2: part of the community of collaboration that amplifies others as a woman. This podcast has been brought to you by Podcast Nation.